Welcome to episode 68 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, of course, welcome back. And if you're not, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host at Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow, especially over on Twitter, where you can reach out to me, you can send me a message, you can shoot me a DM or tweet at me with questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, topics, whatever you want me to talk about on the show as it relates to Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch League. Um, if you'd rather, video games as a whole, and I might just bring it to the show. Um, enough with all that. We've got a big show to cover today. So let's move on. You can, of course, find this podcast over on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. Now, if you find yourself sitting in bed at night after every Wednesday's episode of One Man Watchpoint thinking, man, I sure just want to hear more of Sir Dr. Jam's sultry voice, then of course, I would tell you to go check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is, of course, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, where I am the third chair, and uh, along with my hosts, uh, Chris at Lightforce and... Alex at Omni Strife. We talk everything Vancouver Titans, Toronto Defiant, and generally speaking, we talk about the Overwatch League as a whole. We currently post every opposite Wednesday from Ready, Set, Pwn, but of course with the Overwatch League returning for Season 5 in May, those schedules will be shifting soon and both podcasts will be going back to a weekly format. Uh, expect that to come probably mid to late April as the League starts on May 5th but we'll figure out that schedule in the coming weeks. Now, on today's episode, we've got news. That's right, you heard it here first, people. We've got our first episode that's packed to the gills with news in a long time. We've got some Overwatch uh, League Season 5 details. We've got Overwatch League homestand details. We've got sources leaking Overwatch 2 information, reports of troubled waters with Overwatch League sponsors, and more. So, without further ado, let's Dive on in. The payload is moving. Reroute all personnel to stop it. We ain't stopping this payload, baby. Let's head on over to .esports.com with an article posted on March 11th by Liz Richardson. Now, just to highlight uh, my scheduling here, obviously March 11th, uh, shortly after last episode of One Man Watch Point, uh, but before the previous week. Um, I'm stretching out the schedule on this one. Normally, I will only cover the previous week's information just because of the bi-weekly format of the podcast. But some pretty big news dropped, obviously, uh, in the week of March 7th to 11th there, I believe around the 10th or the 11th. So we're going to cover that. Then we'll get to the previous week where we'll cover all of the uh, big news that dropped this past week. So let's rewind time. March 11th, Liz Richardson, .esports.com. The article reads, Overwatch League Season 5 will include new Overwatch 2 maps playable Sojourn. Following news that players will be able to get their hands on Overwatch 2's closed beta in late April, the Overwatch League addressed how the sequel's updates and confirmed existence would affect the upcoming fifth season. In a new community update video, head of league, head of the league, sorry, Sean Miller and caster Matt Mr. X Morello told fans how teams and the season will adjust to playing on an early build of Overwatch 2. Considering the season kicks off on May 5th, Overwatch League teams need to get used to the new features and reworks in the sequel. Miller confirmed that all Overwatch League players now have access to the Overwatch 2 alpha test, giving them nearly two months to practice. More importantly for viewers, key parts of Overwatch 2 will be visible on opening day. 
The game's newest hero, Sojourn, will be available for professional players to use, and four of the sequel's new maps will be played throughout the season. The Assault game mode, often referred to as 2CP, has been eliminated, and replaced with Push, in which two opposing teams try to move a friendly large robot across the map. Coliseo, formerly known as Rome, and New Queen Street, Toronto, are in the 2022 map pool for Push. Midtown in New York City is available in the hybrid category, and Circuit Royale Monte Carlo will be up for escort. Considering a new game is in the mix with and balance changes will be happening frequently, Miller addressed how those alterations will be integrated with league play. Quote, content drops, end quote, will be happening between tournament cycles, meaning a single patch will be used for each tournament. Fans can now dissect those tournament cycles for the next few months. The full 2022 Overwatch League season schedule is now available. So, a little bit to dissect there. That, of course, came from our community update uh, number two, I believe, um, which dropped right around March 11th, probably on March 11th, if I'm if I'm being real here. Um, Liz does a good job of sort of breaking down or highlighting the main points. Of course, we've got the closed beta coming in late April. Now, again, this article is a little outdated. Uh, a week later, I do believe they have announced that date, but we'll get there eventually. Um, so anyways, that was great news. And then, of course, they also talked about the fact that teams were getting access or had access already uh, to the Overwatch 2 quote-unquote alpha. Now, I do question their sort of throwing around of these terms alpha and beta because, I mean, really and truly, what is what constitutes an alpha, what constitutes a beta in their world? I think they're kind of using the term alpha just to mean essentially, uh, in a lot of ways, sort of beta 1.0 version. Um, I don't think they would truly have the pros playing on an alpha build in, in the most literal sense. I think that would be kind of detrimental to all of the teams and organizations it's obviously stable enough that they can have matches that they can uh, uh, simulate battles and and everything that we will be seeing when the league launches on may 5th so i'm gonna call this a beta but whatever um they're calling it an alpha who really cares because in two short months or just under two short months at this point um the league will be returning and that's when things will shift to the quote-unquote closed beta so again that's where I'm kind of like, mm, this is more like a limited beta than it's a closed beta than it's an open beta in theory. But I digress. Exciting stuff. Teams have access, and that's what really matters. They can start uh, start, start scrimming, start uh, brushing up their skills, start seeing what's what, and uh, you know, stretching those sea legs again. Now, is two months enough time for the pros? That's something that has been sort of tossed around online and, and talked back and forth on on Reddit and uh, in message boards and, you know, in the community and everything. I do actually think that two months should be plenty of time. Um, the the only interesting or sort of caveat to that is the fact that it's a brand new game, right? If this had been a previous season of the Overwatch League, I think most teams would have given, or most organizations, I should probably say, would have given their teams probably about this much time off. Um and, and basically said, okay, whenever we find out the start date of the next season of the league is, we're going to bring you back uh, two months prior so that we can scrim and practice up and start to meld with the team and everything about two months ahead of time. Um, maybe even one month. I could easily see teams doing one month. I mean, if you think about it realistically, this is a full-time job for most of these guys, right? Um, you know, they're coming in, they're doing a, a quote-unquote eight to five 
plus they're often streaming uh, after hours doing their own competitive or ranked uh, ladder climbing and, and things like that. So anyways, you figure you're doing that for, you know, eight hours a day, um, four weeks in a month. You know, there's nothing to say that this has to be a, a, an eight to five and, and, you know, Monday to Friday kind of thing. Anyways, I think even one month would have been plenty of time. When you think about the league as a whole and how long the offseason's been and how long the regular season is, yeah, it seems short. But again, this is what these guys do for a living. They are, you know, this is their full-time job. They're not doing anything else uh, outside of this as their, you know, primary source of income or or primary, uh, I don't know, time spender kind of thing. So this is really what they do. So I do think two months is plenty of time. Um, I think they could have even gotten away with a little bit less. The only caveat is it's a brand new game that technically speaking, nobody's played, which has cause for concern that, you know, things would be dramatically or drastically different. Now, as we'll talk about in, later on in the show, it doesn't seem like that's the case, which I think if anyone thought this game was going to be radically different from the first, then they're smoking something good. So anyways, that's my thoughts on the beta, the practice time, all that stuff. Moving along from there, uh, the league kicks off May 5th, which we knew, uh, so that's great to hear. Um, but this was the announcement that Sojourn would for sure be playable. Um, and so another exciting one, I had previously speculated that I actually didn't think we were going to be seeing any new heroes. So it is really great to see that they've got Sojourn in there. Um, the other side of that, again, we'll get to it, but there have been some leaks about Sojourn saying she's going to be a pretty formidable foe. And that was one thing that I had actually spoke on on the previous episode of Ready, Set, Pwn, uh, just kind of theorizing that Typically speaking, when characters have been added into Overwatch, uh, you know, obviously we haven't had any for the past couple of years, but all of them in recent memory have been a little bit broken, you know, a little bit overtuned to the point of overpowered in some cases. I think, uh, you know, when I think back to Echo dropping, um, teams needed to learn how to play Echo, and nowadays Echo is kind of a staple in a lot of ways. There's definitely a few other strategies, but for a long time, the meta was definitely echo dependent. If you didn't have a strong echo, given her mobility, given her uh, uh, a range, given her speed, um, and especially given her ult, you could really do some serious damage if you were a killer echo. I mean, when we saw a player like Shockwave join the Vancouver Titans, um, that was kind of one of his strengths was he was a really sick echo. Um, so Anyways, uh, you know, you want more evidence of that? Look at Sigma, who came just before Echo. Um, look at a player like Choi Obin over on the San Francisco Shock, who realistically, in my mind, uh, they kind of set the set the double shield meadow with Orisa Sigma and, uh, and Choi's stellar Sigma play. Um, so anyways, um, that's kind of my thoughts on that. I do think, I did think that Sojourn would be overtuned and overpowered. We will, again, talk about an, uh, a story here where they are reporting that players are saying she is. So no real surprise there, but at the least, it means we will see a significant amount of Sojourn play um, because everyone knows, you know, it's all about finding, uh, finding the meta in that first little while. So there's that. Then moving on to the game modes and maps. So obviously, uh, confirmation that 2CP is gone, which we did technically already know, but, uh, you know, good to see that they're actually announcing as a part of the, here's the Overwatch League 2022 map pool, and there is no 2CP on there. Uh, of course, being replaced with push mode. And the new maps, definitely exciting stuff, definitely things looking good there. We're getting a new hybrid map, a new escort map, two new push maps. Obviously, push is a new game mode, so duh. Um, overall, 
exciting stuff. Glad we're seeing Midtown, um, you know, New York getting some representation there. I'm sure that's going to be exciting for everyone from New York. Finally, Canada getting the representation we deserve, obviously, Sojourn being a Canadian hero, but also with New Queen Street, the Toronto map finally, uh, finally going to be used. So exciting stuff there. Uh, really exciting that we're going to see, see those coming into play. Um, obviously Coliseo and what was the other one? Circuit Royale, the Monte Carlo map and the Rome map. Um, We've seen a little bit of those already with the show matches, um, but really exciting as well to see those coming into play. I do wonder uh, why we're not getting a new control map, although I also kind of think they could be, you know, holding their cards in a lot of ways on a few things so that they can really have, you know, a couple different sort of marketing hits uh, throughout the season and everything like that. If this is the map pool um, for the entire season, then hey, that's a big deal, uh, but they could definitely shake things up in between stages, right? Uh, with the first tournament cycle, this could be the map pool, and they could easily announce for the second one that uh, things are changing up a little bit. Or they could do first half of the year on, on this map pool, second half of the year on a different map pool. I don't know. Whatever they want to do um, gives them an opportunity to sort of hold some cards here and then show them uh, later down on the down the line. I do obviously think it would be really fun to see new maps because, I mean, hey, who doesn't like new maps, new settings, new locations, etc. Um, but who knows what we'll see there. Interesting that Control is the only one with no new maps, though. Um, but I do also think that Control was probably one of the more balanced uh, map pools. You know, Ilios, Lijang, Oasis, they're all pretty steady maps where um, they have some good sort of strategies behind them they have uh, a good setup to them um, and you do see some really balanced kind of play in those maps um, especially Ilios and Lijang if you ask me um, Oasis is a little less exciting but regardless uh, things are looking good on the map pool front other than that um, <clears throat> as I mentioned there content drops will be happening between tournament cycles so obviously hitting on the competitive integrity of the league there we now know that we have uh, Packing 10, of course, a uh, former coach in the Overwatch League working uh, with directly with the league on some of that stuff. We also have, I believe, Brad Ross coming over from the NBA 2K uh, Esports League type deal, uh, coming over to supposedly be uh, Packing 10's boss. So seemingly a lot of exciting moves happening there, a lot of good decisions. And overall, the impression I get from this and from some things we'll talk about in a little bit seems a lot like um, the Overwatch League team as a whole, uh, sorry, the Overwatch team as a whole is working a lot closer and in a lot more conjunction with uh, the Overwatch League, which obviously a little bit of synergy between the two to throw in a buzzword um, only means good things, you know. That really, hopefully, we're looking at a really strong season with the league here that sort of coincides with a really strong, you know, beta um, development and release of the game so exciting stuff there that's enough for that one let's jump on over to olivia richmond over on invin global posted on march 14th with an article that reads overwatch league won't have hero pools in the 2022 season now you can see here why i wanted to go back a little bit to, to cover some of this news these are big announcements here so the article reads a lot of big changes are coming to the next overwatch league season Owl 2022 will be played on an early version of Overwatch 2, a game that finally announced an upcoming closed beta after years of delays. 
This means new maps, new game modes, and each team only having five heroes. And that's apparently not the only big change. Hero pools will be no longer. Hero pools were brought to the Overwatch League to shake up the meta after top teams continued to use the same heroes over and over. But hero pools immediately angered the competitive community. Teams were unable to practice adequately since the off-limit heroes were announced close to the tournament. This meant a lack of strategy as well leading up to the matches. Sean Miller and Matt Mr. X Morello were recently asked about the 2022 schedule, including some hard-hitting questions about hero pools returning. Miller responded that there would be, quote, no hero pools for 2022. They then, in the article, have a tweet embedded by one Yiska at Yiska Out over on GG Recon, who tweeted, IMO, a really solid schedule. One question that's left unanswered. Are we having hero pools? Eyes emoji at Mr. X at Packing 10 at Sean Mills. Sean Mills then responds to the tweet and says, no hero pools for 2022. This was received positively by the Overwatch League community. Many fans, fans, sorry, felt as though there shouldn't be restrictions and surprise bans where, when the team already had to deal with hero reworks and new team compositions. A lack of hero pools allows teams to freely practice and form strategies in the new game. So there you have it. Uh, that's the the news on hero pools, which obviously cause for celebration on most fronts. There. Um, you know, I know when Hero Pools first came out, first were announced, I did enjoy the idea of them in how it provided some variety and uh, kind of forced teams to adapt a little bit more. Um, but again, as I've kind of, you know, sunk my teeth into the Overwatch League and the uh, esports scene a little bit more, I do understand, obviously, the competitive integrity implications behind something like Hero Pools. You know, it's, it's akin to saying... Uh, in traditional sports, oh, you're no longer to have a, uh, a left wing um, or a, a, a whatever you want to call it. In soccer, you're no longer allowed to have a, a striker. Um, suddenly, that position is just removed. And, and that's just ridiculous, especially because teams do or did frequently um, have players that were sort of specialized to certain, not only certain roles, because obviously players are specialized to certain roles, but specialized to certain heroes. You know, a player like striker um, who isn't dedicated by any means to Tracer, but really shines on Tracer. The second you pull Tracer out of the, the hero pool, um, there's a good chance that somebody's getting played over Striker. Now, that might be a poor example because Striker is a, a all-around a pretty solid player. But I digress. You understand the point. So, exciting news. And also, I mean, with a brand new game, we're obviously going to see new heroes. And I don't think anyone wants to see any of those new heroes uh, getting getting blocked out um, just because essentially they're new. Um, now, again, with the overtuning that we frequently see with characters like uh, Echo, Sigma, um, and we'll probably see with Sojourn, yeah, we're probably going to see a lot of Sojourn in the beginning, maybe a little too much, but then hopefully in that sort of break between the tournament cycles um, where the team has already said, you know, they're going to be doing tweaks and patches and things like that between tournament cycles, hopefully during that time, that's when they reevaluate Sojourn um, or whatever new character uh, down-tune the character if needed, maybe up-tune the character if, if that's something that's needed as well, but I highly doubt that. Again, just history kind of, you know, begs to differ with that. But I digress. Um, I'm thinking that, you know, we're going to see a lot of Sojourn in the beginning, uh, and then as teams, you know, sort of stabilize with her, I think we'll probably see some shakeup with teams that, you know, uh, maybe aren't as skilled with Sojourn, um, either bringing in new players, there's potential for new signings there, but there's also potential uh, for... Um, for sort of counter strats, which in a lot of uh, in a lot of cases, the counter strats frequently do become the meta as 
it's one team or a few teams finding out what truly counters those uh those really strong metas um or those really strong you know individual uh, uh characters heroes so there you go that's what i have for you there now let's move on we're gonna jump over this time to doubletap.com that's dbltap.com with an article by Ralston Dakinay, posted on March 15th, which reads, Zulong Sombra skin released for Shanghai Dragons 2021 Overwatch League Championship. That's right. In commemoration of the Shanghai Dragons winning the 2021 Overwatch League Championship, Blizzard re revealed and released the Zulong Sombra skin Tuesday. From March 15th through March 28th, the legendary Zulong Sombra skin is available for players to purchase in-game for 200 Overwatch League tokens bracket, 9.99 US dollars, which can also be earned for free by watching live Overwatch League broadcasts. Blizzard also released an accompanying sorry, blog post Tuesday to break down how the skin came to fruition. Quote, we knew that a dragon theme would be a banger skin, end quote, Overwatch League concept artist David Kang said in a post. According to Blizzard, Zulong Sombra translates to Torch Dragon in Chinese and was designed to honor Grand Finals MVP Jaewon Lip Lee's performance on the Damage Hacker. From her dynamic Shanghai Dragon's back tattoo to her ornate armor and headgear, the special Sombra skin features plenty of Chinese mythology and futuristic Overwatch tech in the champion's signature color palette of red, yellow, and black. That should probably be champions, eh, whatever. Quote, Chinese dragons are a bit different from Western dragons, so we searched the internet for reference in images and checked with localization, Kang said. We really wanted to hone in on features such as the horns on the crown and the eyebrows and whiskers on the dragon to pay homage to the Shanghai dragons and Chinese culture. Over the years, we found that fans really like the skins that are more obvious and representative of team colors and logos. So this time around, we decided to go all out, use all the Shanghai Dragons colors, and also implemented the logo to the skin itself. End quote. Marking the start of the fifth year of the league, the Overwatch League 2022 season will kick off on May 5th with the LA Gladiators versus the New York Excelsior at 3 p.m. E.T. So there you go. Uh, it's sort of a, in a lot of ways, a little bit of a PSA. Uh, you know, get your skin now. Um, this episode, obviously posting on March 23rd, means you have about five days to get the skin before it's gone. I unfortunately will not be getting the skin. I, I've never been a fan of dropping real cash uh, to get these skins. And uh, I definitely have in the past made sure to maximize my Overwatch League token earning, um, even when I'm not watching, of course. However, I apparently I logged in just the other day to get this skin, and that's when I realized that I actually did not have enough tokens. Um, that's obviously going to be because of me purchasing all of the other skins that they had available, because I know towards the end of the previous season, um, or maybe even during the offseason, I can't quite remember, they made all of the Overwatch League skins available for purchase, uh, including the ones that I had missed out on back when I was not a fan of the Overwatch League, or not, you know, watching the Overwatch League. So... I burned most of my uh, most of my currency then, and I currently do not have enough to get this skin. So a little bit disappointing because this is a dope skin, that's for sure. Um, definitely go check out the video on uh, Overwatch's uh, YouTube channel because it has some really incredible design features behind it. Um, and obviously, I picked this article on Double Tap because they do outline some of that in the article. So yeah, very exciting one, really cool skin, great design, and and I kind of do love. Uh, what they said at the end there over the years we found that fans really like the skins that are more obvious and representative of the team colors and logos um I, we actually talked on ready set pones most recent episode uh alex and i talked about the fact that 
over the years, the skins have, uh, you know, there, there've been some better ones and some lesser ones. Um, but overall, uh, I think we both agreed that, yeah, the ones that are the most representative of the teams are really the ones that, that people like, um, you know, the London Spitfire one, the, uh, the Winston one is very cool and it's very London Spitfire. Obviously it is entirely themed around Spitfires. It is the colors of the team. Um, you know, there's a very clear, distinct theme there. And obviously Winston being sort of a flying monkey, you've got the tie in to, you know, the Spitfire being a World War II fighter plane and all of that kind of thing. So exciting stuff there. But then moving on to uh, the season two champions, the San Francisco Shock Doomfist skin, that was the one that really kind of threw everyone. And I did say to Alex, although it's a very cool skin, I don't think it is truly representative or really puts on display the San Francisco Shock or the Overwatch League. So it's cool. Um, and Doomfist was very meta at the time. But ultimately, it, it was a little bit of a letdown, a little bit of a shock when we first saw it, if you will. Ha ha ha. Um, then, of course, the third season being the um, the San Francisco Shock Roadhog skin. Uh, that one I'm a big fan of. It is very cool. It is very flamboyant. It is very over-the-top. Hey, we are the San Francisco Shock. We are the two-time champions of the Overwatch League. But at the same time, it is not very themed towards the San Francisco Shock. Um, it's cool. And yeah, we were rocking a Roadhog meta for God knows why at that time. Um, but... It, it overall it doesn't really convey san francisco shock other than the fact that it says sf right on the big belly of roadhog so anyways i digress uh this one this one you know if winston's my favorite this one might be second it's close with the roadhog one i do like the roadhog one and am a big fan of it but again i do think for in terms of this being a championship skin i do like the idea that it should embody sort of the team and the season and things like that. So it makes sense that it's, you know, Sombra. It makes sense that it's Shanghai Dragons, etc., etc. So there you have it. That's the Zulong Sombra skin. Go get it. Available until March 28th. Next up, we're going to head back over to DottieSports.com with another article by Liz Richardson. This time posted on March 17th at 5 a.m. apparently. I don't know if that's local time, but man, Liz, go to sleep. Next up, Overwatch League live events return with Houston Outlaws, Dallas Fuel Homestand on May 6th. Live events in many esports have been few and far between since early 2022 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But when the Overwatch League kicks off its fifth season on May 5th, full-scale live events will return and the league's two Texas teams will be renewing their rivalry in person. The Houston Outlaws and Dallas Fuel will be facing off in the fifth, quote, Battle for Texas matchup in the league's history on may 6th that's that's pretty 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 awesome the fifth battle for texas oh it's on may 6th darn i thought it was on may 5th for a second there because the league starts on may 5th it's this fifth season battle, fifth battle for Texas. anyways let's move on um i'm just gonna read that again the houston outlaws and dallas fuel will be facing off in the fifth battle for texas matchup in the league's history on may 6th both teams will travel to the Techport Arena in San Antonio, one of the newest esports arenas in the country, to battle it out in front of North American fans. That's the first North American live Overwatch League event with both teams on stage since early 2022. Both the Outlaws and Fuel held small single team events last year, and live audiences were present at several events in China throughout 2021. San Antonio's Techport Arena has a capacity of 3,300 and is making its debut in 2022. In fact, the Battle for Texas will be only the second public event at the arena after a concert takes place on May 2nd. Though the match is the main highlight for fans, Houston Outlaws players will participate in a question 
and answer session after the match, and sponsor HEB will provide activities throughout the day. Quote, Dallas and Houston have the best rivalry in the Overwatch League, and this is a great way to start the season, end quote, said Mike Rufai, owner and chief gaming officer of Envy Gaming, who owns the Dallas Fuel. Tickets for the May 6th Battle for Texas event are now on sale. And of course, we have a link to the, uh, I'm guessing to like Ticketmaster or something like that, etix.com, Techport Arena, Battle for Texas, Houston Outlaws versus Dallas Fuel. Let's see, how much are these tickets? General admission, $30. Very reasonable. I dig it. VIP, $125. That's a steep increase from $30. But overall, not that bad, honestly. VIP ticket includes one mask, one event t-shirt, 2.30 p.m. VIP early access commemorative photo signed by players. You know what? I'm throwing it out there. If I were in Texas, I would be ponying up for that VIP ticket. That sounds like a good time to me. They've also got ADA, which is $30. Accessible seat. Oh, accessible seating. Cool. Um, anyways, exciting stuff here. Uh, wow, dang. that's. Uh, I'm just looking at the seating map and that's interesting. Not not what I was expecting by any means, but I digress. Exciting stuff there because, of course, we are seeing live events return. Now, this was uh, sort of teased not only um, in the first community update there, the fact that there, there would probably, air quotes probably, be uh, live events again, but even the fact that I'm fairly certain Houston tweeted out right around that first community update that they would be having live events. I'm fairly certain Dallas did as well. Um, so, you know, you put, put two and two together and it was pretty easy to guess that they would be the one or one of the few that would have this, one of these big live events, uh, to kick things off. And again, you know, the fact that it's Houston and Dallas, obviously they are two of the largest fan bases. They're two of the most popular and most successful organizations in the league. Um, you know, overall, and they have sort of, in my mind, two of the most public facing organizations, two of the, the biggest ones. Uh, between the the optic uh, side of things and everything like that so no surprise here that we're seeing this truly um, but very exciting uh, super awesome to see this and excited to see how it all plays out moving on from there we're going to go over to pcinvasion.com a website i don't think i've ever read an article from with an article by lauren sales which reads oh sorry this was posted on march 17th which reads, Blizzard adds the Ukrainian flag to Overwatch for players to show support. Across the globe, countries are watching the war in, the U in Ukraine as it happens. Various companies in the video game industry are standing in solidarity with Ukraine, halting sales of their games. Many others are helping in various ways, including purchasing the itch.io charity bundle. Now, Overwatch players can show their support for the country by representing the Ukrainian flag on your profiles. Professional Overwatch player Crimzo noticed the new addition and shared it on Twitter. The Boston Uprising player questioned when the flag was introduced to the game. As the flag has not been noticed before, the only explanation is that Blizzard may have silently added it. Fans were quick to comment their support for this move. You should expect to see a lot of Ukrainian flags in your future matches. Players have also called for more flags to be added to the multiplayer hero shooter. If you want to equip the Ukrainian flag, you can do so by finding it in the player icons tab. Overwatch only has a select number of flags to use for your profile, but the Ukrainian flag is an important new addition. In good company. Blizzard is not the only studio to take action following the conflict in Ukraine. CD Projekt, creator of Cyberpunk 2077 and the Witcher series, uh, of games at least, has announced sales will be completely cut off in Russia and Belarus. This will come into effect for both digital and physical copies of the game. 
Horror Games developer Bloober Team was quick to follow suit, putting an end to Steam sales in both countries. These are just a couple of examples among many companies that have spoken out against the Russian invasion of Ukraine. By adding the Ukrainian flag to Overwatch, Blizzard is sending out a clear message of support that its player base is likely to get behind. We then have the uh, tweet embedded there from Crimzo, which says, when the heck was this added into the game? And has uh, the, a screenshot of the um, uh, player icon. Uh, screen in Overwatch and of course highlighting the Ukrainian flag. Now obviously kind of wanted to throw this one in there uh, as I don't know in some ways a, a feel-good story you know it's nice to see that they did this obviously there are better and bigger things that a company like Blizzard or like Activision Blizzard could be doing they've got some problems to sort out right now but I would like to see some more action on their part um, it has been great to see um, you know, companies like Epic, I think Epic Games just this past week announced that they're donating all proceeds from uh, Fortnite for the first two weeks of the latest season, which I think just dropped, um, to uh, Ukrainian uh, aid. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I heard yesterday or today that that is already at a staggering like $36 million or something like that. Um, so anyways, it would be really great to see Activision Blizzard uh, or even just, you know, Overwatch or something like that, take a move like that. Um, you know, they could, it would have been easy, honestly, to tie that into something like the um, the Zulong Sombra skin. But I digress. This is a nice sort of uh, first step. And obviously, this is more about the players, it gives the players the opportunity to sort of represent Ukraine um, if they would like to do that. So there you go. Let's move on to our next news story. That's right. We're still going. We've still got four news stories to cover and we're 33 minutes into the episode. This is probably going to be an actually news packed episode, which is great because it's been a while since we had one of those. <sighs> next news story. We're going to go, go, we're going to go, we're going to go over to Forbes.com with an article by Chris Holt posted on March 18th. This one reads the Overwatch 2 beta start date has been revealed. The Overwatch 2 beta is fast approaching and the dev team touched on more details during a Twitch live stream. Most importantly, Blizzard revealed the date everyone wants to know. The beta starts on April 26th, one week before the Overwatch League season starts. They've then got the tweet embedded from the at play Overwatch account. Hashtag Overwatch 2 PvP beta is coming April 26th. Beta sign up and the uh, blizz.ly link there with a nice image of everyone's favorite sojourn. Uh, which has, of course, uh, the maple leaf featured on her shoulder, and says Overwatch 2 PvP beta begins April 26th. Owl players, Blizzard staff, and some other folks have access to an alpha that's currently underway. One big change those folks are getting used to is the fact that Doomfist is now a tank. We'll talk about that in a minute. As the devs confirmed in the stream after months of speculation, the CC-heavy character has been a damage character until this point. Not all players will get access to the Overwatch 2 beta, unfortunately. However, you can sign up on the Overwatch website for a chance to make it in. It's also only available on PC, meaning console players will miss out for now. They've then got another tweet there embedded by the Play Overwatch account, which reads Doomfist certified tank in hashtag Overwatch 2 and a little flexi emoji. So, so there you go. That's a quick, uh, quick story about that. Um, but I did want to bring it up because that was kind of probably the biggest news to drop from that other community update. Um, I don't know if they're actually calling it a community update, but 
from that Twitch stream that they did, which I believe was on March 18th. Yes, that would have been last Friday. So um, I did watch the the stream after the fact. I think it was just under an hour long. Um, it was interesting, and we'll see. I might just throw in a, a sort of topic at the end here. Um, I'm just writing it down so I don't forget. Um, anyways, it was interesting because it was just a sort of, you know, hosted thing with Zoe hosting it. Um, talking to a few of the team members, uh, including Aaron Miller, obviously, um, of the Overwatch team, and just kind of dissecting some of what's going on with Overwatch 2 and uh, providing us some updates. It wasn't super juicy, and that's kind of what I might just talk about at the end of the show here if uh, if we have a little bit of time there. So anyways, exciting stuff that this was announced, that the actual PvP beta would be dropping this at this point. It's not an open beta. That's sort of another big tidbit that they do mention there. You know, unfortunately, not everyone will have access. Yeah, that's because it's a closed beta. This also adds into why I'm saying, okay, so the pros have access right now, as we know, do uh, so do some other players, um, you know, content creators, Blizzard staff, some other folks, as they mentioned in the article. That's why I kind of say, okay, it's, it's beta 1.0, and then it moves into a sort of more open closed beta it is a closed beta now it it changes into a slightly less closed beta but it's still a closed beta um it's still not open to the public and they're still only granting certain people access and on top of that um there have been rumors that i actually i don't have an article on but there have been rumors that entry into the beta is currently being looked at um through the lens of your sr so realistically they're looking for very good players <laughs> they're looking at a high sr uh player to join the beta because they want that high level play to really help with the tweaking and tuning of the game and balancing and everything so kind of a barrier entry but th- that is a rumor so technically i you know i wouldn't put too much behind it but i i could see it really um a little bit sad obviously that uh, console players won't be able to have access to that beta but also not incredibly surprising in the past things like this have been traditionally you know pretty locked to pc i would say they do frequently have as as sort of a beta opens up they do frequently have a more open beta um, available to console players i know uh for overwatch one i believe they actually did do something like that i think that's actually where i played overwatch for the first time was the sort of open beta that they had And then if I'm not mistaken, I didn't actually get the game until maybe six months, eight months after that. Um, But I digress, you know, if if it gets players in, if it gets people interested, all it's going to mean is increased sales and and a larger player base. So I'm excited. I want to see this beta get rolling. I want to see people getting access. um, And I want to hear more about Overwatch 2, obviously. Let's move on. Next article here posted on March 18th, takes us over to GG Recon with an article by everyone's favorite, Yiska. Um, I actually, I don't even know Yiska's last name. Sasha Yiska. Oh, there it is. Heinish. There you go. Easy. All right. The article reads, Sources, Sojourn, Orisa, and Doomfist abilities from the Overwatch 2 Alpha. There's that word Alpha again. I hate it. Anyways, let's move on. GG Recon has talked with several sources who have had access to the closed alpha test of Overwatch 2's PvP mode. Due to these parties having signed non-disclosure agreements, sources have requested anonymity. 
Several sources have shared that the gameplay experience has held steady to Overwatch's, quote, profile, while encountering noticeably fewer shields. The majority of sources that described a noticeable change in how the gameplay the game plays have pointed out that the tank role has been the most affected, in line with the C change that Overwatch 2 has brought to that role. Almost universally, sources agree that Sojourn has left a strong impression and is likely overtuned. Sources have advised that she will be adjusted down a notch, as she currently dishes out an oppressive amount of damage through her railgun ability, allowing her to one-shot headshot 200 HP targets and her disruptor shot a grenade-like field that also slows enemies in an area around it. Her power slide ability has both horizontal and vertical movement, and is on a 5 second cooldown. In practice, it apparently plays like an improved and more fluid version of Baptiste's Exoboost. Now, I'm actually going to pause, put a pin in the article there, because I, I want to talk about each of these points individually. So obviously, a little bit of a first impression of Sojourn there. Um, this is what I was hinting at earlier when I talked about the fact that Sojourn was likely going to be overtuned, and lo and behold, you know, sources claiming uh, that it seems like that's the truth. I'm not surprised, and again, you know, um, it is interesting to compare sort of beginning of Overwatch um, heroes to later Overwatch heroes, because I think heroes did get a lot more sort of technically complex, um, and a lot uh, a lot more difficult to wrap your head around uh, with, with a lot more varied movesets and mobility and things like that. And I think the game really did shift towards mobility for characters, which is noticeable in obviously characters um like uh well sojourn's a good example um but also echo um a character like sombra now obviously there are are exceptions to that rule because sigma not incredibly mobile and things like that but i digress i think especially when it comes to the dps that's that's kind of where they went anyways i'm not surprised to see this information about uh sojourn does seem pretty ridiculous to allow her to one-shot headshot 200 HP targets, but uh, they actually talked about on Plat Chat this this past week that they're uh, I think they were speculating or or saying that at one point hadn't there been an announcement something along the lines of the more damage Sojourn does, um, you know, the more um, damage her one of her abilities will do or something like that. So it could potentially be something like the more damage she's dishing out the more that single ability sort of charges up and then she can do the one-shot headshot on a 200 HP target. Um, so things like that. Obviously, this one is probably the most mysterious because we know nothing of Sojourn right now. Um, at the same time, saying that is a little bit ridiculous because the other characters we'll talk about in a sec here um, have also been changed so drastically. So anyways, exciting to see this. Um, and obviously, that uh, one thing that I did want to highlight is the power slide ability because that, to me sounds like a lot of fun that to me sounds a lot like i understand the comparison uh a more fluid version of baptiste's exo boost so his i always felt like his jump felt very clunky having her power slide function horizontally and vertically to me screams a little bit like um a character like genji it's almost like giving him his dash and his climb um and adding them both on a, a mobility that has a, a five second cooldown. So anyways, I digress. Excited to see what Sojourn looks like and plays like. Now, let's continue on and we'll learn a little bit about Orisa, everyone's favorite very slow tank. Orisa's kit has changed significantly. Of her previous kit, she only keeps her Fortify ability, which now also gives her additional HP. She has received three new abilities, while her Halt, Supercharger, and Protective Barrier have been removed. 
Instead, she's received a new ability called Energy Spear, a javelin which knocks opponents back upon hit and deals additional damage when shoving them into a wall. Her new E ability, Spear Spin, destroys projectiles in front of Arisa, giving her additional movement speed and pushes enemies out of the way. Finally, her new ultimate, Terra Lance, pulls opponents towards Arisa in a large radius, reducing damage taken by her as she becomes immune to crowd control effects and channels the ability. The longer the ability is channeled, the more damage is dealt. So that's a pretty drastic change to Arisa. Obviously at the start there, Yiska highlights that three of her abilities um, have been totally removed, which is kind of crazy, especially one being the protective barrier. So this lends credence to the um, the idea that this game is moving away from shields, right? Seems a lot like we're going to be moving, um, not necessarily completely, but a lot more in the direction of games like um, Valorant, you know, another hero-based shooter with a little bit more of an FPS-leaning uh, style towards it kind of thing. Obviously, I think Overwatch will remain more um, ability-based than strictly uh, shooter-based, uh, which is obvious when you just look at how Overwatch has played traditionally and when you look at uh, how Valorant plays. I think Valorant leans more to the CSGO side of things, whereas Overwatch leans more towards uh, the, the Team Fortress 2 side of things, maybe. Um, I think Overwatch has gotten away from being as first-person focused, uh, first-person shooter focused as um, Team Fortress 2, but I digress. I think this this uh, with Overwatch 2, we should see a little bit of that shift uh, back. So... Anyways, exciting to see these changes for Orisa. I think this does sound like she would be a lot more fun. I hope she's a little bit quicker than she used to be because that was one of the things for me was she always just felt so slow and clunky, um, which, I mean, makes sense. She's a giant robot horse centaur type deal. Um, so it does make sense that she's clunky and big and a little bit slow. But I like these abilities because they do give her a lot more varied combat um, instead of, you know, just plunking down her shield and, and holding left click. Um, or, you know, R2, if you will, um, if you're on console. It sounds like she's going to be a lot more varied and have a lot more options uh, in her kit to dish out damage um, and sort of change the play of the game. Um, the energy spear, this javelin that knocks back opponents, sounds like uh, it could be a lot of fun, especially, you know, given the uh, the damage boost with, uh, with walls there. Almost reminds me a lot of, well, not a lot, but a little bit of um, Doomfist's Rocket Punch, how... If you hit an enemy and then they hit a wall, it does additional damage. So that's kind of cool. Kind of replaces that move from uh, Doomfist because we know he's probably not going to have that same move. Um, and then the the spear spin actually kind of seems like it takes notes from um, Diva's uh, defense matrix. Uh, although it does say it protects against projectiles or destroys projectiles in front of Orisa. Um, so it might not necessarily be as versatile as Diva's uh, uh, defense matrix, but overall sounds like it's going to still still put a focus on having Orisa in the tank role and in front of, uh, you know, in front of the DPS and support lineup, kind of being there to take a lot of that damage and peel some of the players. Um, then obviously we've got the Terra Lance, which really seems like that one's going to be, I think, um, a lot more focused on pairing it with some of the other um, ultimate abilities, especially you have to figure, I mean, let's just assume for argument's sake that Reaper's um, Death Blossom isn't changing. You have to assume that Orisa's uh, new, what's it called, Terra Lance would partner well with something like that, you know, um, functions sort of similarly to Zarya's Gravity Well, in my mind, where pulls opponents towards Orisa in a large radius, 
reduces her damage taken so she can stay there and stay alive um, and makes her immune to crowd control effects and channels the ability. And then obviously it's dealing damage because it says as the ability is uh, channeled, the more damage is dealt. But then let's say you have a Reaper Beyblade into the into the group of opponents that have been pulled towards Orisa, and suddenly now you have this Terra Lance channeled ability with a Reaper Death Blossom in the middle of it. You're dishing out some damage there. So I digress. Sounds like Orisa. I, I like the sounds of these changes. I think it sounds like it makes her uh, quite a bit more versatile and uh, and fun to play, honestly. Moving on from there, let's close out this article with the Doomfist rumors. Doomfist has moved to the tank roll and has had his kit adjusted as well as his HP increased. Rocket Punch had its damage lowered significantly, but receives additional functionality through a new ability introduced in the kit. The new skill, Power Block, which allows him to absorb damage for a short amount of time, will charge his Rocket Punch's damage temporarily to comparable levels as they are on live today. Rising Uppercut and Seismic Slam have been made into one ability in that Doomfist will uppercut at the start of the ability while slamming down in a much wider area to provide crowd control. The damage of this ability has also been described as moderate. No other hero, additional heroes uh, have made the alpha test so far. GG Recon will update as more information is provided. Blizzard declined to comment. So obviously we've got sort of um, seemingly the least amount of information on the Doomfist uh, changes there, but also uh, seemingly the least amount of changes. So Rising Uppercut and Seismic Slam, kind of mashing them into one, makes sense as that was a frequent combo that we saw. You know, frequently you're having um, someone either Rocket Punch in at the start of a combo, then Uppercut, then Seismic Slam, and if they hadn't, you know, used uh, used that um, uh, uh, rocket punch to get in, then they use it to finish off the combo. So there was that, which of course built up the sort of uh, shield that that Doomfist used to have. Um, doesn't sound like he's going to have that anymore, but I digress. Um, so, anyways, interesting that they're kind of mashing the uppercut seismic slam together. Uh, the big question in my mind will be, does he still have that sort of float after he upper uppercuts? Because that was one thing that you kind of saw. Um, could actually be used uh, to your advantage was he did that uppercut in and then you could you kind of drifted or floated there for a second so you could reposition you could retarget you could sort of reassess the situation so I do wonder how quick uh, or how um, uh, I don't know what the delay between those two is given they're on one ability now um, but interesting nonetheless and then, of course, Rocket Punch being uh, having its damage lowered. No surprise, that was a pretty oppressive uh, skill when fully charged. But being used with this power block is interesting because that's kind of where it brings him into a tank and really allows him to, again, just like I was saying with Orisa, be on the front lines, be interrupting uh, the, the disruptors um, or whoever's peeling for your team, that kind of thing. So that's kind of where you see the focus of Doomfist coming into the center of attention and really being that force in the uh, on the front lines kind of thing. So there you go. Uh, that's a breakdown of what Yisk is hearing some of these heroes are looking like. Really interesting stuff here. I think if I had to look at any of these, I mean, obviously we're all excited for Sojourn because uh, she's a new hero altogether, but I'm really excited to see these Orisa changes. I think they sound like they could make Orisa a lot more fun um, and a lot more versatile. So I'm really excited to see that. I was never really a big Doomfist fan. Maybe that's just because I wasn't good at playing him. Um, but I digress. I'm excited. So moving on from there, we're going to head over this time to an article posted on March 19th over on Kotaku.com by Zach Weisen, which reads, report, 
two months before return, Overwatch League still has no sponsors. In less than several weeks in May, the fifth season of Activision Blizzard's official Overwatch League starts kicking off with large events with a large live event in Texas. However, this close to the start, the league still lacks any sponsors. Officials claim there are, quote, ongoing discussions happening with various partners, but following numerous lawsuits and accusations of sexual harassment last year, it appears companies might still be wary of getting involved. Due to COVID-19, the Overwatch League hasn't held a live event in North America since early 2020. This, so starting this next wow sorry about that so starting the next season of the popular esport league with a large in-person event is a big deal for the Activision Blizzard and various teams and folks involved with the league it will also be one of the first places Overwatch 2 debuts the still in development sequel to Blizzard's popular hero shooter but as reported by the Wall Street the Washington Post sorry I was going to say the Wall Street Journal the Washington Post as the league ramps up for its biggest return and a new era of of Overwatch it currently is running without any major sponsors. Big corporate sponsors like Kellogg's, State Farm, and Coca-Cola ended their advertising deals with the league following the public reveal of a lawsuit filed on July 20th, 2021 by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing after a years-long investigation turned up stories of multiple women suffering daily harassment and abuse while working at Activision Blizzard. And the Washington Post was told by these companies that none plan to restart their advertising or sponsorship deals with the league in 2022. Though the companies also declined to say if the decision to skip 2022 was due to the ongoing lawsuits Activision Blizzard faces. Last season, Comcast was the official internet service provider for the league. But now, Comcast, who owns Overwatch League team the Philadelphia Fusion, told the Post that the company also had no current plans to sponsor the league. The new head of Overwatch... League, Sean Miller, told the Post that plans for this new season had been in the works for some time now, and they were open to, quote, amplify those plans, end quote, with any future sponsors. When asked about the complete lack of sponsors on the official, on the League's official website, Miller told the outlet that it was currently in discussion with both past sponsors and, quote, potential new ones, end quote. Kotaku contacted Activision Blizzard about the lack of sponsorship. But a few weeks before the League's big return, it seems companies aren't quite ready to jump back in. And with more lawsuits coming out and revealing more terrible shit that happened, it seems unlikely any big companies will be lining up to sponsor Overwatch League's upcoming fifth season. Earlier this month, for example, a new lawsuit was filed by parents of an Activision Blizzard employee who argue that frequent workplace sexual harassment contributed to their daughter's suicide during a company retreat in 2017. So there you have it. That's a lot of information about the overwatch league sponsors returning or not returning uh seemingly i do think this is uh an interesting one to bring up because in the past on on previous episode i had actually kind of celebrated the league seeing sponsors uh being brought on and seeing new deals being made and and teams partnering with different brands and things like that um because that's a big deal and a huge way to increase um obviously viewership and things like that um over on uh, Ready Set Home, of course, we had recently interviewed Adam Adamu, the CSO of uh, Overactive Media, the parent company of the Call of Duty League's Toronto Ultra and the Overwatch League's uh, Toronto Defiant. And he had actually talked a lot um, about the sponsorship deals and, uh, and the marketing deals that they have with companies like Bell Canada, obviously Bell being one of the major service providers in Canada, especially out in the Toronto area. Um, and he had really talked up those relationships and how important they are and how these companies are willing to put up big money uh which obviously allows the league to do what it needs to do um but 
realistically, those sponsors partnering really allows the league to grow and really puts the spotlight on the league. So it's not good <laughs> in any sense that we're seeing these big corporate sponsors, Kellogg, State Farm, Coca-Cola, um, Comcast, not re-upping their whatever deals with the league. I do honestly think that it would be ridiculous to say that the league has no sponsorships at this point. I suspect there's a very good chance that these are just going to not even be unveiled at the start of the season. I think they'll just kind of, you'll see the advertisements or the, uh, the, the brand sponsorships when you're watching, um, when you're watching the start of the league. I don't think there will really be any announcement about it. I think we'll just see some of them again and people will go, oh, I guess they did have sponsorships. But I digress. I wanted to report on it just in case because if there are, in fact, no sponsors uh, at the start of the season, then that, that could potentially be a bad sign. But I digress. Let's move on to our final news story of the week. That's right. We're at 56 minutes into this recording and we still have one more story to cover before we close out the show. That's what I call a good news week. Let's move on. We're going to go over to Double Tap. That's dbltap.com with an article this time by Alexandra Hobbs, posted on March 21st. That's yesterday. Overwatch 2 leak seemingly confirms Tank Doomfist. New look for Soldier 76. Now, you might be saying, didn't we just talk about the tank changes for Doomfist? Yes, we did. This is slightly different, so let me dive in there. The Overwatch League's official Facebook account might have accidentally leaked a new look for Soldier 76 in the upcoming Overwatch 2, as well as Doomfist's change to tank. The OWL Facebook post, which has since been deleted, shared an image of the hero select screen, which gave a glimpse at some of the changes heading to the long-awaited sequel. Players were quick to highlight the changes that they had spotted, the first being that Doomfist had been slotted into the tank role. The hero had traditionally been a damage character, though fans had been speculating of the character's transition to tank role for some time. Previously, Blizzard had revealed they were testing out Doomfist in a tank role, but never confirmed if this change would happen. Next, players spotted that the background of the screen appeared to be a version of Ilios in a different time of day. Finally, a new look for Soldier 76 showing that his face mask had been altered slightly, now only covering his eyes. Fans also spotted that the hero's grey beard has been revealed, matching his hair. Fans took to Reddit to discuss the leak after the original post was deleted. One user said, quote, I'm so ready for Tankfist. I've always been drawn to playing him, but never done well because I don't play him like DPS he's currently supposed to be. End quote. That was a, that was a great pull from Reddit. The Overwatch 2 B PvP beta is set to begin on April 26, 2022. To sign up, PC players can head to the Overwatch website, log in with their battle.net account, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the Sign Up Now button. So you can see why I wanted to bring this one up. It's interesting because at this point, like we're now in a cycle where we're getting leaks that don't reference other leaks, um, but we also even have confirmed information that some of the leaks don't seem to actually know is confirmed. So like Doomfist being a tank, I'm 99% sure at this point they have they flat out said that in last Friday's uh, community update that he's being tested he's being played on tank. And they did mention he's they're they're testing with him on tank, but like in my mind he's a tank now, and I think you know Yiska's article confirms that. So it's interesting to see this one kind of dancing around the fact and saying oh the Facebook page may have announced or may have leaked that. But I digress. Just a few little tidbits in here uh, that are interesting. Obviously more about Doomfist tank, but also. Uh, people sort of breaking down the Soldier 76 um, information, uh, or, or I guess sneak peek kind of thing. Um, just exciting to see the design changes. I think those are some of the things that they really could be 
could be saving for that um, th those marketing beats. They really could be, you know, saving that for the the pop of hey, here's here's you know you wanted something juicy. Here's another character. Here's the changes we've made. Um, pardon me. Here's here's what he now looks like. Uh, even just his player icon and things like that. Um, kind of a drip feed of content, but I digress. They could be just just teasing out these kind of things. So. Anyways, interesting stuff there. Just kind of wanted to bring that up because uh, it'll be exciting to see these reveals as they happen later on. Now, with that story taken care of, that actually brings us downtown to the end of the show. So let's wrap things up. I have a bad feeling about this. That's right. We've reached the end of episode 68 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. As I have mentioned a couple times here, I'm very thrilled that we finally have an episode that was not even a stretch to reach one hour long. We got here very naturally, and it was very exciting because we had lots to talk about this past week. So... As I mentioned, this was episode 68 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your host at Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me on all socials at Sir DRJM. If you'd like to interact with me, hit me up on Twitter, shoot me a DM, um, tweet at me, whatever you want to do. Uh, give me questions, comments, concerns, topics, uh, inquiries, whatever you've got to talk about as it relates to Overwatch, Overwatch League. Or video games as a whole, and I'll bring them to the show next week. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And of course, again, check out Ready, Set, Pwn, where you can uh, listen to myself and Chris and Alex, that's Light Force and Omni Strife, uh, talk about everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, as well as a little bit about the league as a whole. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll catch you in two weeks' time, which will, of course, be April 5th. We'll be moving into April. And at that point, we might just have some news to talk about in way of um, shifting the schedule of the show. I definitely think we'll have some news to talk about in way of Overwatch 2. Given the cadence that they have now sort of started to establish with these community updates, I suspect we're getting one at the end of every week. I have my fingers crossed. Um, if you're curious, my thoughts on the content drop schedule of things, go check out a couple of tweets I put out uh, a few weeks ago. If you, I don't tweet too often. So if you go to my uh, Twitter page at SirDRJM and just look at my tweets, you'll find the ones I'm talking about where I had established the fact that the Overwatch League really missed an opportunity to have a regular content drop schedule leading into the league to really build up hype and really market themselves. But I digress. Check that out. Check me out on Twitter. Follow me there. Follow this podcast. Subscribe, like, share, all that fun stuff. We'll catch you in two weeks' time. Goodbye.